Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Thanks for checking out this podcast presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, or XL Energy Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota football, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Always smooth, always refreshing. Gold medal winner at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. When you're this good, quality always comes through. PBR Me, ASAP. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings... We present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Purple Podcast. I'm Ben Gessling from ESPN, back from uh, whatever precipice of sickness I bravely fought through last week. Uh, I will not have to go Jordan in Game 6 this week to get through this one, uh, which is probably good because that level of heroism can only be summoned every once in a while. I'll stop talking about myself now and introduce the two guys that are having to put up with this screed, Matthew Collar and and Judd Zolgad from 1500 ESPN. Sorry for butchering that after yammering out about myself for the first 10 seconds. Uh, Guys, let's... Let's take, let's get to some Vikings here. Uh, Adrian Peterson last week, I think after we did this podcast, was on first take talking about uh, his future with the Vikings. Said he wants to be back here, but then also pretty much of his own volition uh, named I think three teams that he would be interested in playing for if he does not return to the Vikings next year. Rick Spielman was down at the Senior Bowl on Sirius XM yesterday, I believe, and said uh, we want Adrian to retire as a Viking. Now, of course, there are going to be some uh, caveats attached to that, but uh, we'll, we'll start with Peterson's comments first because we haven't really had a chance to get into these. What did you guys make of Peterson uh, listing teams that he would play for next year while, as Rick Spielman pointed out, he is under contract? I, I think about Adrian Peterson as a guy who would have a lot of different voices around him telling him things all the time as many of the top athletes do. You know, LeBron has a lot of people that advise him, although I think he's turned that into like a whole business thing. So, you know, a lot of famous athletes have that, and there's always a lot of different voices around you. Um, And I think that probably one of those voices advised him on how to do that interview, and he didn't listen to it. Because, right? I mean, because it was probably, yeah, you, you should really avoid that sort of question and say you're a Minnesota Viking and that's where you want to be. And who knows how the future is going to turn out, but I'd be happy to be back in Minnesota. And then at some point along the line, he just maybe forgets he's on camera and just starts riffing off about teams he's thought about. It seemed to me just like a classic Adrian Peterson thing to do, but nothing at all to really be taken seriously, especially in my mind, guys, two out of the three teams that he name drops don't make really a whole lot of sense. The Giants don't have cap room and the Houston Texans have a really good running back in yeah. Lamar Miller who they just got in free agency last year. We should back up for just a second here. The, the, the three teams that Peterson named for those who didn't see it were the Giants. I, I think that kind of got brought up. Well, I think one of the hosts was a Giants fan and was saying, hey, you should go play for the Giants or something. Stephen A. maybe. Yeah, I, I can't remember who it was, yeah. but uh, 
The Giants, yep. the Buccaneers, yep. and the Houston Texans, which I think is the team that everybody kind of associates with Peterson because it's in his home state. Uh, Judd, what did you make of that? Uh, I contend that Peterson has lots of friends, followers, and and people that tell him he's great, but he has no one to give him advice ever because he's in AP's world. And AP's world revolves around these delusions. I mean... The fact that I, I get that he said he, that he still thinks he's due his $18 million from the Vikings, but to even bring that up is ridiculous. I mean, if you have any any version of reality in your head, you're not going to get that ever. Um, he would have been best off just to say, you know what, I'm un- under contract. We'll see how things go. But it's this continual world that, that he has that is odd and and the reality, too, is this. Adrian Peterson has been ineffective, hurt and or suspended for two of the last three years. He has once in the last three years. He's going on 32 in March. Right. And he is a guy who continues to sit there. And it's like he thinks he's 27 and fantastic. So I found it amusing. I found it funny. I was not surprised. But if the man ever wakes up and says, I need advice. Somebody help me. I'll be amazed because it's always about him and it's always on his terms. And if the Vikings bring him back, they're making a mistake. They need to sever ties. I've said it a thousand times and I truly believe it. They need to sever ties. So where do we think the Vikings are at in this? I mean, they have said a couple of times that they want him to retire here, which in and of itself kind of breaks precedent from where teams handle running backs and in a lot of Adrian Peterson's career would suggest that you should break that precedent, although not a lot in the recent history would suggest that. So how do we think the Vikings, A, should handle this? And they're they're basically going to have to make a decision here in the next four or five weeks. And how do we think they will handle it? Do you guys think when Spielman says that about we would would like to see this guy retire as a Viking, do you guys think that that comes from Spielman? Because my only contention all along, and I I certainly don't know, know this for a fact, is that that comes from the Wilfs. I really believe that the Wilfs look at Peterson and say that this guy's been here almost the whole time that we've owned the team. He's been fantastic. I find it hard to believe that if you're a football-savvy guy, like, who cares now, right? Who cares? I mean, this is not this is not a great quarterback. This is a guy who was a great back at one time, and he did one thing well, ran the ball. So... I find it hard to believe that Vikings executives who run the football operation are actually sitting there saying Adrian Peterson needs to to retire in purple. I think it comes from from the owners, and I really believe that if that's the the road that the Vikings choose to go down, it's a mistake, Matthew. I think that it's the only thing in that situation you can say. When a talk host says to you, uh, so, would you like to see him retire a Viking? Yeah. Now, if you have any plans whatsoever of bringing him back, or you just don't want to create a big media storm and have that soundbite played everywhere for weeks, oh, Vikings don't want him back, or listen to Rick Spielman hesitate and stumble over his words when asked if he wants Peterson back, he has to just say, yeah, yeah, I want him back, absolutely. But, you know, maybe the situation won't work out. Maybe it will. We'll see. He's got to leave that door open. But I don't see any way that he could come out and say, no, guys, man, he's a 32-year-old running back. Are you out of your mind? Like, that just wouldn't go over very well, especially I think Rick wants to pay respect to what Adrian Peterson has accomplished as a Viking. And if he's going to leave – they don't want it to be on really bad terms that makes the team look bad. Yeah, and, and that has happened with, with players in the past. I mean, Randy Moss is probably the most notable example of that, where it's a guy that has meant a lot. I, I would probably argue he is a larger figure in the history of the Vikings than Adrian Peterson is for his contributions on the field and what it meant to the overall brand of this team. I mean, in 1998, when he came in and the place was loud and and excited every week i mean john you've talked about it i mean the purple flags and the the last oh it changed the whole the last franchise game that they couldn't sell out was the the last home game before moss played here randy moss is not really at a point where he has a good working relationship with the team he blew the galler horn at u.s bank stadium last september uh actually was last october i think when he was here for monday night football but his number has not been retired and and he's not a guy that you see associated with the team an awful lot so, I mean, there is that part of it to think about, too. But 
I, I think in some ways, Matthew, I, I agree with your point, that when Rick Spielman gets asked that question, he can only answer it one way, and it's the, the way he's going to answer it next month at the Combine, when he talks before the Combine, and we're going to hear this a lot from him. It, it's the same thing as, you know, we, we I kind of always chuckle a little bit about this when at the end of a season, reporters go up to guys who are going to be free agents and say, hey, do you want to come back here? And they all say, yeah, I'd love to. And then, you know, it gets written, oh, so-and-so said he wants to be back. Hell it's like, no. <laughs> like, do you, A, want to put yourself in a good marketing position with yep. a team that you are currently employed by, or do you, B, want to torch your current employer, rob some of your market value, and possibly communicate to other teams that you are going to be a malcontent? It's like, it's, it's an obvious answer. We probably shouldn't put a ton of stock into the way the question is actually answered, but, but what Peterson's here's my case. Interesting. Peterson's a different guy. Peterson's convinced he's still great, right? Yeah, Peterson. What the, I think what the Vikings does not need to do, what the Vikings strategically sound ways. The Vikings, have, the Vikings have hurt themselves uh, since they went to Houston to tell them, "We love you. We love you so much that we don't care what the charges are. We want you back." If the Vikings were smart, the Peterson strategy would be starting right now. Start letting him down. Because here's the problem. Here's the problem. He's going to see this quote from Rick and be like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to get it. I'm going to go in there in March and get my bonus, right? He's delusional. So if I'm the Vikings, my Peterson plan is different from most players, and I start to ease off right now. Because the reality is when he walks in to get his bonus and or be told he's not going to get that bonus, I want him to understand that my offer is going to be incredibly low. And, and the issue with him is this. If you don't start to let him down now and and give him give him some of an alert that this is coming in March, he's going to be furious. He's going to storm out and it's going to be bad because he's not go he's going to be surprised. He's delusional. So what I would do is I would actually start to set up a scenario where he understands by the time that he and his representatives arrive in my office in March, he's not going to get a good offer. Because I think he's going to go in there thinking that he's going to get his money as much as people are going to tell him you're not. That's the problem with Peterson. It was really fascinating, his end-of-the-year press conference for Adrian Peterson, because in one way he answered questions acknowledging that he might have to take a pay cut. Yeah. And he seemed to be, for about, well, maybe it was like 10 minutes long, for about eight minutes of it, he seemed to be really living in reality with his answers. Right. And then... Toward the end, someone asked him something else about star players or getting paid. They're just kind of pushing or reiterating the same question. And he said that some star players are worth paying all that money, like Tom Brady and Antonio Brown, right. which kind of insinuated that he was putting himself still in the same category as players that valuable. So it was a very funny dichotomy of the two halves of that little presser because I thought for most of it, like, wow, this is the most realistic I think we've seen him t when talking about uh, really anything yeah. in the world. And then all of a sudden that kind of came crumbling down. So I don't know where he stands with that, but I do think at least he gets it that he could be let go. He at least gets that part of it, that either he might have to find a new team, which is suggested by that interview where he's naming new teams. Yeah. Uh, he, he gets that. But what the thing where I think he's probably way off is what he thinks the next team or this team is going to offer him. Because looking at some past offers for running backs who were even in better shape than him, like, I mean, he averaged 1.9 yards a carry and missed most of the season this year. I mean, something like Matt Forte gets $3 bucks on a two-year deal or $6 bucks on a two-year deal. And even Lamar Miller, who is in his prime, didn't get as much as – Adrian Peterson probably thinks he's getting and Miller's a better running back right now that's where I think the separation is and if the Vikings go to him and offer him hey uh let's go four million he's gonna be like no way no I'm not dropping my pay that much and then I think the relationship ends there and that's what they could do they could lowball him really if they actually want him out then they can say and it won't hey, be good then they could try. He's not going to take it well. But they no. could say, but they could at least say from the team side, well, you know, we tried, but our cap, you know, just that sort of thing. We've got to fix the O line. Here, here's what I think is going to happen. Um, and he, you know, a final thought on what Peterson said last week. The most interesting thing I thought from that, I mean, the the, the section about naming other teams was interesting, but it was sort of odd in the way that it transpired because I think the Giants that kind of got put in his mouth, and then he mentioned the Bucks. And the, the Texans, and the Texans, I think it's made a lot of sense because he lives there. 
He's his kids are there. He's got his house there. He's got the gym there. All of that stuff. I, I absolutely get why he'd want to play there. And and then the Buccaneers, of course, have a young quarterback that looks like a team on the rise. And, and he's talking about a team that has a chance to win a championship and, and a team that's on the way up. It's like you could make the case that the Vikings are still in that boat. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, the quarterback, you know, I think Jameis Winston is probably at a higher level than Sam Bradford and and certainly will be, but it was interesting to hear him put it in those terms. I also think, all of that said, the most interesting thing he said, and it was kind of off the cuff, he was getting, he was talking about the contract, I think with Stephen A. Smith or something, and he just interjects, I've earned that $18 by the way. the, The problem is, of course, NFL contracts in the future do not go based on what you have earned. In any other sport where they're guaranteed, that might be the case. Baseball, a lot of times you get paid on what you've done in the past. The NFL does not pay you that way because it does not have to. He is not going to get that. I don't think there's any chance the Vikings are going to give him that. I think you know what they've said publicly is one thing, but I think what they're going to do is a different thing. I think what they will do is make him – I, probably a decent offer. I don't know that it'll it'll be a low ball in, in terms of what the market bears, but it will be something like you're saying, Matthew, where they can go back and say either to the public or to ownership or whoever is going to be asking about it. Say, yeah, we tried. I mean, it, it could be six million dollars. I, you know, that's more, the market would say is too much, but I could see them saying, okay, we're going to take that bonus and we're going to give you some of it now, and we'll put some of it in a base salary, and, and that'll be the deal. And if he turns that down. Then they could say, "Hey, we tried, and he wanted to go explore his options, and you know, Godspeed to him, and and we'll see how it works out." But uh, I, I certainly don't think he's going to get the uh, the contract that he currently has, and I, I don't think it was structured in a way that it was going to get it. That that looked like a a trigger to restructure this thing, and and I, it's ultimately going to come down to how willing he is to accept something quite a bit less than what that number was for. Pabst Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Pabst Blue Ribbon was awarded the gold medal for American-style lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Pabst Blue Ribbon a Twin Cities favorite. When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold. PBR me ASAP. And the way that things went down this year, uh, and just the last impression of Adrian Peterson that people got, I don't think it's going to be a tough sell for the Vikings to tell the public, oh, he just wanted too much money for what he's going to be worth, and we needed to fix other areas. Yeah. And we Two years ago, you could have done this easily. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, he was charged. I, I just don't see, guys, I don't see how it is a good idea um, – to with, with with what your needs are and with what his needs are, explain to me if there's any compelling case why it would be a good idea to bring him back in an offense that is going to rely on throwing the ball to its backs that needs its its backs to block. I don't get what the what the good idea is besides saying he's going to be a Viking forever, which to me is not a compelling case. There's only one there's one player that I can think of who could make your argument for you here. And that's LeGarrette Blunt, because LeGarrette Blunt doesn't do anything for the Patriots except for just pound the ball, especially at the goal line. It's like what he does, right? It just runs over people, kills clock when they're ahead, runs over people at the goal line. And then they've got the two other backs who can catch the ball, make plays, run out, uh, you know, put them out in the slot if you need them to. Deion, James, uh, Deion Lewis is one of them. Yep. Deion James, was he a former Point guard for somebody in the NBA? Yeah, I think so. Uh, or no, was he a... Sh- he might have been a baseball player. Outfielder for the Indians yes, and Yankees. I think he was. Okay. Something. Uh, I think you're right on that one. Anyway, Deion Lewis. But that would, be, that would be your one case. If you were trying to say, is there another player around the league who is a similar age? LeGarrette Blunt is, I think, sure. 29 or 30 years old. And all he does is just but that's pounds a, it up the middle. But that's a game LeGarrette plan. LeGarrette Blunt off- is a free agent, and the New England Patriots would be a team that would very much be but, interested in signing but, Adrian Peterson to play that kind of a role. But but the issue is the Patriots, makes the Patriots play million. a game plan offense where from game to game, those roles all change. So So my point is this. Peterson, as anybody who's had a Patriots running back in fantasy football will tell you. And do you, but do you think for but do you guys think for ever. one but do you guys think for one second that Adrian Peterson 
could could put his ego in check en- en- enough to play for the Patriots. Now, the ability to win a Super Bowl might be enough, but you know the Patriots go from game to game to game, and it always changes. My point is, you've got an offense here that's a West Coast that is geared towards guys that can catch the ball, can block, and Peterson's a one-dimensional player by this point, and so I would not, if I'm the Vikings, there's no way that I'm going to tell Pat Shermer account for, for this guy. This guy has to get touches. This guy has to do this. You're yeah. setting yourself back. Well, yeah, it the- was interesting this morning. I, I was chatting with Kyle Rudolph a little bit. He he was doing the uh, the car wash, as we call it, through Bristol, and I talked with him on the phone for 15 minutes, and we talked a little bit about that. It was interesting to hear him say the identity of the offense changed this year. And he said, you know, we'd always been a team that our identity had been predicated on running the ball, and he said for whatever reason – and he was diplomatic about it, but with Adrian Adrian getting hurt or you know, we needed to throw the ball a lot more, that became the identity of our offense. And I think anybody who expects that not to be the identity of the offense going forward with Sam Bradford and Pat Shermer, I mean, this team threw for more than 4,000 yards this year. I mean, it was by throwing the ball 570 times or whatever it was, but between those two quarterbacks, that's how they did it. And I think anybody who expects that not to be the identity going forward is is probably – uh, a little misled. No, I, I agree with you guys on that. You just said if there is any case to make, that would be the one, is we're going to be a passing offense, sure. but there's this specific role that another guy in the league has in a clearly passing offense in the New England yeah. Patriots. But, you know, the interesting thing to me, I was just looking, poking around some stats, that teams run just as much as they ever did in the league. Like, you can go back years and years, they still run just as much. They just pass way more. They just run more plays, probably. Right. Teams run way more plays. They pass way more. So if you were saying to Adrian Peterson, look, I can't guarantee you a number of carries per game, but I can guarantee you this, that you're going to get your touchdowns, and when we're up in a game, you're going to be the go-to guy to win us that game. And you're going to do it for four million or five million. I think there's a possibility that that ends up working, but it's still it's still a low percentage chance. I I have a lot of trouble figuring out any way that both they want to pay him what he thinks he's worth, and then he fits okay in Pat yeah. Shermer's offense. You could sell me on that argument. I think selling him on that argument yeah, is a right. different story. Right. So. Uh, the the conference championship games over the weekend. We we talked last week about where the Packers were in the NFC North, and uh, the results last weekend certainly put things in a little bit of a different light as the Packers get blown out in Atlanta. Their defense, once again, is the culprit in that, and uh, I think that kind of led us to talk this week as we were planning for this about what's the state of this division. We talked about it last week, but guys, what is the question? Anything in the NFC North, whether it's the Vikings, fixing the offensive line, the Packers making some big decisions this offseason, the Bears finding a quarterback – What's the one question in the NFC North this offseason that you are most interested to see how it shakes out? Well, I think with both the Packers and the Lions, it's can they improve their defenses? Sure. I think our impression of the Lions' defense was that they're okay because they were <laughs> Nothing able— Nothing they did impressed me. They, but, but because they were able to slow down the Vikings' the offense. The Vikings twice guessed, like. But their yeah, their just, defense nothing was nothing they did impress me. But their defense was really bad this yeah. year. I mean, they were one of the worst in the NFL. And then when they played against Seattle, who couldn't run the ball all season and had an atrocious offensive line, they got trucked in that game. So I think that the Lions will be looking to spend a lot in free agency to try and beef up their defense, and they'll be drafting there too. And I would say the same thing for the Packers if they actually finally want to commit to spending some money on some free agents because. If you're trying to beef up that secondary that was so bad for the uh, Packers this year, I mean, there's some free agents out there that give you an opportunity to do that. Yeah. That's my yeah. question. Yeah. Is T- Ted Thompson's 64. Rodgers is, thir- is 33, and basically after the game against the Falcons, begged Ted yes. to spend. Very uh, far of asking that regard. There are rumors already flying that Ted is close to being at the end there in Green Bay. So I guess my question is this. Is Ted either going to get the mandate and or decide himself, I'm going to spend? They've got the money to do it. And if the Green Bay Packers decide to pursue guys in the open market, they can get them. Guys will flock there because of the opportunity. And the Green Bay Packers, by the end of March, could put themselves 
in a position to be uncatchable in this division, right? I mean, the Vikings The Vikings have to do a lot offensively. I'm not saying that they would be bad, but if the Green Bay Packers go out and fill the right positions on defense and get guys back on offense, the Green Bay Packers could put themselves in a situation by April 1st where it's going to look damn tough, and the Green Bay Packers could put themselves in a very good position for worst-case scenario Vikings fans to be playing in U.S. Bank Stadium in Super Bowl, what, 52? Yes. Next season. And I mean... I'm saying that in in the sense that we saw we've seen enough from this Packer team to know that if they decide to fill their flaws and not try and build something slowly, there is a very good chance they could bury the competition at least in the division. I mean, they have some decisions to make. I mean, TJ Lang, I think, hits free agency, and it sounds like he's probably headed for fairly major surgery. And I'm just looking at the at our uh, our database here that we have at ESPN. Uh, looks like they have like 35 million dollars in cap space. As of now, heading into free agency, and that's, of course, with guys like T.J. Lang on sign. They have to make a decision on Eddie Lacy. Uh, Jared Cook, who was very good for them as a free agent, you know, that's not going to be cheap. But they certainly, I think, will have some money if they structure things well to go out and, and sign some guys. And, and, you know, you have guys like Julius Peppers probably done. that His money comes off $10.5 million. I mean, th- there's certainly an opportunity for them to go do that. I, I think – you're at a point where if they don't do that, you're almost derelict in your duty, aren't you? I mean, yeah. when you have a quarterback like that at the point where he's at and you're saying, well, we're going to play for five years from now. Well, Ted's going to be 65. It makes no sense. Why wait? You got the money, right? Why wait? You you are in a position now where if you're the Packers, you can give yourself not a good shot. You can give yourself an excellent shot. Yeah. And so, yes, I think, if nothing else, that, that Ted should be given the mandate you are going to spend. Yeah. Because he's not going to be around. I mean, he, he took the job in, what, 2005? Yeah. And he was, what, 50-something then? And so, yeah, you know what? There's plenty of time to come in, right? And you rebuild, and it's fun. They're at a point now with that quarterback where I say, bleep it, we're going for well, it. Well, and, and your legacy, if you're Ted Thompson, is going to be determined based on you had these two quarterbacks, Brett Favre, got you to a title game, conference title game at the end of his career, and Aaron Rodgers has now been to three conference title games in his time. If you come out of that, one in three in those games, one Super Bowl, for all of the draft and develop and all of this stuff, you probably haven't done enough if that's all you get out of that group. And and I think if Thompson is, is concerned about his legacy, and I'm not sure how much he's putting stock into that, but I think it would be a little underwhelming if that's all they get. And Collar, think about that. The Green Bay Packers playing in the Super Bowl in the Vikings' home stadium. Oh that my. would be the ultimate troll job, and you can't tell me that there aren't people with the Packers who don't say that'd be a lot of fun to do. Well, and, and they have that thing now, I, I think they still do this, where they have a player, I, I remember you know they've done this a few different times, where they have a player from the team that hosts the Super Bowl that presents the Lombardi Trophy to the winning team. I mean, if, if the first time that the of member of the Vikings ever touched the thing was to hand it to the Packers, oh, a I mean that would be a, a nightmare scenario for the Vikings. But b I, I'm I'm sure if the Packers are thinking about these things and that people probably don't think about them as much as we who like these kinds of juicy storylines hope that they would. But uh, that I'm sure they would have some fun with that scenario. Well, and if you're the Vikings, so you see Aaron Rodgers just begging for some better players on defense. And you look at the free agent list. I called it up of cornerbacks, and there are some names. I mean, there are some good players on this list. Uh, I mean, you've got Stephon Gilmore of the Bills, Morris Claiborne of the, the Dallas Cowboys, Darius Butler of the Colts. I mean, there there's probably seven guys, Logan Allen, who will be playing in the Super Bowl, uh, sorry, Logan Ryan, who are all really good players. Logan Ryan was a uh, pick in the Cordero Patterson trade. Was he really? He was. Oh, how about that? Well, he's the turned last out to member be... of the Patriots to be Jamie Collins, Logan Ryan, and uh, some guy that didn't make it. Yeah, he's turned out to be a very nice player. I think he was in the maybe top 15 or so pro football yeah. focus rankings this year. Now, there are a number of guys, Drake Kirkpatrick to uh, DJ Hayden, all guys who are either yeah. they have a good reputation or scored really high in PFF rankings this year who the Packers could go out and get. Now, if you're the Vikings and you're looking at this, I mean, you've already got a good defense. You've got to add a couple of pieces yourself. Are you saying, though, 
We're going to spend that AP money that we've uh, opened up by letting go Adrian Peterson and restructuring Brian Robison or letting him go. All right, we've got a ton of cash. How are, how are we going to spend it? I mean, for me, it should be how can we beef up the weapons that we have on offense yeah. and then fill in some of the spots that are opened up. They need a nickel corner. If Captain Munnerlin's not coming back or pay Captain Munnerlin to come back, I think he's a really good player uh, on one of the better defenses in the league, so why not? He's still in his prime. He's great in that role, too. Yeah, I mean, it's a perfect role for him. If he wants to. We'll admit our bias. We in the media would love to see him come back. Yeah. Two-time I'll, Stringer Award winner. I, I will say that, too, but that I would only say it was a just an us thing if he didn't rank yeah, well yes. and, and was a, a good part of the production on the field has backed some of that up. Yeah, exactly. So at least the last two years. But if you're the if you're the Vikings defense, are you either or just the Vikings front office? Are you saying, you know what, if they're going to add some defense, we got to stop Rodgers and let's sign this guy, that guy and that guy to just fill in any holes that might be left on defense. Maybe instead of Trey Wayans, they sign one of these guys and then have Wayans still mixing in if they don't believe in him. Or do you say? Who are the best receivers? Maybe Kenny Stills as a deep threat or something like that. Who are the best receivers? Obviously, they need to spend on the offensive line, but let's make sure we get Andrew Whitworth so we've got the best free agent. Which way do you think that they'll spend that money? Well, it's one of those things where what they should do and what they might do can the head might coach, diverge a little the head bit. The coach is always going to look at one thing, and you guys know it. I mean, the head coach is going yeah. to be obsessed with – stopping Green Bay, and he's going to be obsessed with defense. But I don't know that his way of doing that is to say, let's go throw a bunch of money at guys. I, I think his philosophy a lot of times is, my scheme is sound enough that, and this was a guy that built a defense in Cincinnati without a lot of stars. I mean, it was a lot of homegrown players that turned into nice pieces for him. But I don't think he's going to sit there and say, I want to go out and get somebody else in here who may have their own way of doing things that I have to retrain I think a lot of his mentality on defense is my scheme is good enough and my ability to teach it is good enough that if you come in here and you buy in, I don't need to have the greatest free agent in the world. Now, this is a guy that coached Deion Sanders in, in Dallas, so he certainly knows what it's like, A, to deal with a big personality, and B, what it means to your defense to have a singular talent. And I think you know Deion Sanders' personality in a lot of ways masks how freaking good of a corner he was but I, I don't know that he's going to sit there and say I have to have a ton of free agents I mean I'm I'm with you I think if you, they're going to go do it we talk a lot about the offensive line but adding more weapons certainly I mean if you look at anything from the four teams that are still playing or that were still playing last weekend and, and, then, and certainly the one that is coming out of the NFC weapons matter and quarterbacks matter and you're going to have Sam Bradford as your quarterback but if you can get more pieces around him so that you can be more dynamic. I think that certainly would be a, a worthwhile investment. I also think that Zimmer's pretty good, and I, maybe I shouldn't give him the credit for this, but just the Vikings in general, for finding guys that maybe weren't the number one in free agency and fitting them in very well on their defense. Yeah. Linval Joseph yes. is worth way more than they're paying yep. him. I mean, he is one of the elite. Captain was, was the same type of deal, yeah, too. Yeah, right? Right. At least exactly. in years two and yeah. three. The, uh, Linval, I think, is the one of the premier players at his position, and he's getting paid like a middle-of-the-road nose tackle yep. when he's really one of the best and, and can even play on passing downs, which doesn't go for everybody. Something I think of with the Vikings matching up with the Packers in the future is if they don't figure out what they're going to do with Anthony Barr in the future, I think that teams, even more than they did this year, will take advantage of him in passing situations. Because I was doing my piece looking toward the future, looking at the linebackers, so I was going through specifically watching Anthony Barr this season. And there were the same issues that we pointed out throughout the year, getting easily eliminated on run plays when that might have not happened in the past. But one thing that really stuck out to me is how often teams attacked him when he was in zone coverage. Yeah. That they would send like slant routes and post routes and things right at him, right behind him, because he was not reacting fast enough, wasn't moving his feet quick enough. And there were quite a few plays in his direction. And I, I mean, these teams are all going to go over the tape with a much smart, sharper eye than mine, but it doesn't really take one to see them just smoking him in coverage. So my question is, all right, so now you've got to stop a Lions offense that's got a lot of weapons two times. You've got to stop Aaron Rodgers again two times, and maybe they'll have a better defense to slow you down. 
how are you going to deal with that weakness for a player who I guess is still considered to be a big star in the league who's going to want to play every play like he did this year? Well, they're going to have to make a decision on him this spring too because his fifth-year option, they'll have to decide on that in May, and that will determine kind of what the the long-term future is for him, and that's going to be an expensive option given the fact he was a top-ten pick. I mean, you met, the coverage issues you mentioned, that was a big thing his rookie year as well. You saw a lot of teams going at him, probably more so with shallow crossing routes and screens that, that he was having a hard time uh, covering and, and making open field tackles sometimes. I mean, uh, yeah, I, th- I think we saw it both that and, and some plays over the top of his head a little bit more often as well. He's certainly going to be an interesting one to watch because that – I mean, the year that he had, he's going to the Pro Bowl. But, I, you know, as Mike Zimmer said at the end of the season, it, it was very uh, telling that he said it, that he was not up to the same standard that they expected from him in the past. Just think about that for a second. He's going to the Pro Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> well, Just yeah. think about that for, for one yeah. second. When, when Tells you, guys, you what the Pro Bowl is. When you guys went back and watched film this year, did they move Barr around as much as they did previously? Because the one thing that I thought made him uh, a talent – was the fact that when he was playing his best, it seemed to me that he moved around a lot. So accounting for him became difficult. And just from going to uh, games this year, it seemed from the naked eye as if he was not moved around as much. And so it was predictable. To, it was way more predictable if you were going to pick on him wh- where he would be as opposed to a couple of years ago. Hold on, And I might be wrong there, but it just felt like that. Hold on the answer for that for one second because it's a good segue into the next thing that we wanted to do we got a question along these lines, and I think it relates to Anthony Barr. Well, we threw out on Twitter this week asking for questions. Uh, just figured we'd spend a little bit of time talking about some of the things that you guys want to talk about. We spent enough time yammering about our own pet topics on this show, so we thought we'd turn it over to you. And, and we got a lot of great questions this week on Twitter for Judd, Matthew, and myself. And, and one of the first ones that kind of gets at what you're talking about, Judd, um, asks... What on earth happened to the double A gap blitz look late this season? Seems like it disappeared, and I, I think that sort of, given what Anthony Barr means to that group, I did notice that disappeared. I mean, they they were, I guess in that sense they were moving him around because there were times where he was blitzing more from an outside, you know, the outside angle, and they weren't necessarily putting him lining up on the defensive line like they did as a rookie. I think they kind of scrapped that, but yeah, I mean, there certainly were times where their blitz packages were not as effective, whether it was him not getting home or them not being able to use that same look that they've kind of used as their as their uh, their base blitz package. It did, didn't seem as effective. Yeah, and I don't know what the good solution is to fixing this problem because it, my question would only be, was Anthony Barr hurt and that was the big issue, or was he just not targeted as much last year as he was this year? I don't know the answer to that. I know that I looked up on Football Outsiders his uh, broken tackle rate, how often runners broke his tackle, and it was quite a bit up from a year before, which might hint at an injury being part of his struggles. But if there are still going to be some of those fundamental problems, maybe he gets better against the run if he's 100%, or maybe nagging injuries continue to slow him down. That issue in coverage, I don't think that's going away. And I, and I think teams will continue to go after that. So the question is, I mean, should you, if you let go Brian Robison, should you move him to the D line and rotate the three guys in? Should you, I mean, I think you don't want to do that, but where he was, I think somewhat effective, or at least his highest pro football focus grade was in the pass rush this year. And there were times where he got toward the quarterback but other than that, I don't know what the fix is. I don't know. I don't know if it's moving him around. Well, he just I don't know disappeared, sort of, which is yeah. really, which is yeah. weird. I mean, if if he had had a bad game here or there, but the problem was he just sort of went away for long periods of time, which which shocked me because two years ago I was convinced he was the linchpin to the success of this defense because of the ability for him to go different places and present different looks to teams. Yeah, another option might be to there are a couple guys out there to sign a cover linebacker to play in key coverage situations. But the thing is that the way the league has changed, every situation is a key cover situation. We saw this, especially when Chad Greenway was on the field and other teams went, great, now we're going to throw to our running backs out of the back. The Colts game. Now we're gonna, right, now we're going to go to our number three tight end over the top because <laughs> that guy runs the same 40 as Laquan Treadwell. So I think the way the league has changed – 
teams need to be in their nickel package all the time. They always need to be covering. Now, unless you're going to use Barr almost exclusively in the pass rush, but then where do you take from? I mean, you've got a pro bowler on one side, and how the heck Daniel Hunter didn't make the pro bowl, I'm not yeah. sure, when he was one of the top five. Seems to take a year to build the name recognition before I, you get the pro bowl berth that probably wasn't in as good of a year. I mean, it, that's what happened to Harrison Smith. Is yeah, he got I guess snuffed so. in his best year and then went the last two years where he was good, but probably not quite as good as he was in 14. Yeah, that is an odd thing anyway to have him have that many sacks and not make it. But So you've got your top sack guy, top five in the league. You've got a pro bowler who's one of the best at his position, Everson Griffin. So it's not like – now they did mix in Brian Robison this year, maybe even too much at times, but unless they're going to do that with Barr, then schematically there, there has to be a change there in order to make up for some of his issues in coverage – and that is Mike Zimmer's big job, I think, in the offseason to figure out how he's going to do that. Yeah, and how do you do that with a guy that was drafted ninth overall? Is I mean, there's there are issues beyond just scheme that go into it when you have a, a guy that you've invested that much into from a draft pick perspective as well. So now the other thing would be trade him. Well, yeah, I mean, and that that just actually, the Pro Bowl. yeah, yeah and I that, was going to say, but you're you're not going to get no nearly I, as much yeah, as you want. I would think that. And the other key thing, boys, like is this: up on guys very defensive quickly. tackle. Sharif Floyd was missed. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think he's he's coming back now. And that in Zimmer's defense, that is an absolutely yep. critical position. Yep. And if you bring back a slug and say ah, it, it'll work, it takes away from that defense in a huge way. Well, we let, saw that. Let's let's head into that question from this perspective. Derek asks, uh, not Derek Wetmore, who is uh, I think. He's home ill right home now. Home ill. We're very we're gravely concerned, but we he, we don't want to t- talk about it. He's been the home worst, for several days. The worst, not not gutting through it like some worst of us will. Sinus infection in the history of sinus infections, I'm told. Yeah, but that's all uh, we can say. Uh, <laughs> so Derek, on, not on. Wetmore, asks who is the most likely free agent the Vikings sign this offseason? and I think and I'll tap dance for a second. Uh, if somebody wants to look up the defensive tackle group, but I agree that that is a position that they need to address because. Zimmer has always had a guy in that position, certainly had it in Cincinnati with Geno Atkins, and I think he wants his version of Geno Atkins here. Now, he got here a year after Sharif Floyd played as a rookie with the Vikings, was kind of seen as the heir apparent to Kevin Williams, had some injuries that year. Stop me if you've heard it before. Um, but then had to change schemes before his second year. The Vikings ended up drafting Anthony Barr ninth overall. They they apparently liked Aaron Donald before the draft and passed on Aaron Donald. Ooh, now, Aaron boy. Donald looks like... At this point, he would uh, be a very nice addition to this defense. I mean, they would have to figure out another linebacker spot at that point. But Okay. Okay, yeah. I mean, I would take him in this defense as well. But we can play that hindsight game all day. The point is they need a three-technique tackle. Sharif Floyd, when he's healthy, which is not often enough, can be very disruptive. I do agree with you, Judd, that they're going to need somebody there because you saw it when Shamar Stefan had to be out there more that teams would attack him, and you saw Tom Johnson wear down a little bit towards the end of the season. So as we talk about free agents, I do think that's a position that is worth looking at. Matthew, who would we be looking at if that is the way that they go? Okay, I'll give you the names. and then I said like a game show host as much as I could. Yeah, good job. Thanks. And then my uh, off-the-wall uh, suggestion or maybe another option that maybe we haven't talked about yet. So first, uh, I think Vince, show them what they've won. I think uh, Vince Wilfork is going to retire, so yes. probably not him. Yeah, uh, if they, you know what, they could use some red zone help with Don Terry Poe. Sure, I hope people that get that reference that he threw a touchdown at the end of yeah. the year. Yeah, the jump pass. In, he's uh, the heaviest Kansas man City. to ever throw a touchdown. You've got Nick Fairley is out there. The guy who kind of intrigues me a little bit. This isn't my off-the-wall they idea. They passed on Nick Fairley to, tra- to take Ponder, did they not? They did, yes. Well, it hasn't really worked out for either one of those. Nah, not but, so much. Uh, Fairley's kind of bounced around a little bit. Um, a semi-off-the-wall idea would to to be to get Alan Branch, who is a nose tackle, right. and move Linval Joseph to the three technique because yep. he played the three technique in New York, yep. and he also just – set his highest sacks number or tied his highest career sacks number with four. He is so strong and quick that he can play that three technique. I don't know that he wants to, though. I mean, he talks so much about wanting to be a nose and yeah. you know, speaks of pass rushing almost like it's a chore, which is very odd because most guys love to do it because that's where the numbers and the money come from. Now, I know uh, Kawan Short is a guy that has gotten Ooh, a lot of yeah. buzz, too, from It'd Carolina. expensive, though. Yep, exactly. He's going to get spend. he's going to get yeah. paid a lot of money. So I don't know if they want to do that. Benny Logan from Philadelphia has kind of been a mix in guy. Yeah. So the, the, it's not. 
not a super strong class there. Like Benny Come Logan, though. I mean, he would. He would yeah, maybe he might be a fit. Decent fit. And I think whatever you think a guy is, Linval makes that guy better. Sure. Um, my off the wall idea is to switch to a three four and make Anthony Barr your outside guy and have Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin and then. Anthony Barr on the outside to rush the passer all the time to play the that is him. to play hey, the Zim, Whitney Merciless I got an idea role. for you. You know it's funny that this it's, it's funny this comes up because I remember when Zimmer got hired that that was talked about, admittedly by people who were kind of just speculating. I think I'm sure I wrote a blog post about it, but Zimmer has coached a three four. George Edwards With has Parcells. coached a three four. Parcells right, defense. George Edwards ran a three four when he was in Buffalo. Sure. They have a lot of flexible personnel that could do it. Will they? I don't think there's a chance in the world because I think <laughs> Mike Zimmer loves his scheme and I think he believes very strongly in it. But they do have people who have coached it and they have, I think, some of that front seven personnel. They would need bigger defensive linemen because Daniel Hunter goes to outside linebacker and I would assume Everson Griffin. Well, maybe he's, he could actually probably stay at, at – on uh, the defensive line in a 3-4. I don't think it's going to happen. It is an interesting idea, though. Could you could you mix it up, though? I mean, we're, yeah, we're, Daniel we're in Hunter such would a be day a guy and age that you now, could stand up. Because there's lots of teams now that, that are 4-3 that play 3-4 yeah. and 3-4s that play 4-3. I mean, you could you could look at saying we're going to get more creative, yeah. basically. I mean, and I you, you could be, do that with Daniel Hunter. And you wouldn't be officially announcing a change in your defense, but schematically, it wouldn't be that hard to flip it around a little bit, at least. Yeah, yeah with the Texans, they're, I think, the best example. Yeah. With the way they line up Whitney Merciless all over the place, they rush. Uh, J- TJ Clowney's. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, Jadavion Clowney is, yeah. it's like every play, trying to identify where Jadavion Clowney is on that play is something that could be difficult. I mean, there are players on this Vikings team who are not quite of his talent level, but very close. You could turn Daniel Hunter into a guy like that. I exactly. Think. I mean, even Everson Griffin is a guy that you can move around. Maybe not to the the point where when he was a little bit younger, but I do think that they have guys that can play those kinds of roles and can move around. Could Hunter, uh, if, if you did that once in a while, could Hunter actually stand up? Because he, he stands up a lot, right? Right. Because the, the the whole the whole Zim story, right, is that Hunter was playing okay. But was scuffling a little bit until the week that he was Demarcus Ware, right, on the scout team. Yeah. Yep. And they they were going to play the Broncos last yes. year. And Zimmer said, "Well, w- when he stands up, he's really good." And so th- they said, "Well, yeah, that's that's why." And then Zim said, "Basically, okay." Then he stands up. I wonder if you could actually, if, if you went to Collar's idea and played some three four, if you could have him be a stand up guy too. And I mean, I, I think he'd be fine. There's yeah, some that, success is, with that, that is an interesting wrinkle. Something I don't know that I'll um, consider it, but no. it's interesting to talk about. <laughs> Tom Johnson, I asked him at the end of the year why he thought Daniel Hunter was so good, and he mentioned that they were trying to not have him just use his speed to get around tackles, but to use his long arms and his strength yep. too, and to get his hands on guys and then throw them aside, basically. Which uh, I think with his speed, a lot of people would have gone another direction and tried to make him a guy that just runs around people. But he's, he's so tall that might be hard to do. The interesting part of that is if he's lining up over a guard and he's his pass rushing technique has been to get his hands on a guy. Yeah, I mean those are lighter guys, usually the guards. I mean that might even be super dangerous if you were talking about him one on one with a guard using his long arms to get separation there on a pass rush. So I mean there there's some different options there that could solve some problems. If they don't want Sharif Floyd back, if they do bring Sharif Floyd back and he is healthy and he doesn't hate Mike Zimmer for the comments that he made, uh, then, you know, I guess that's problem solved then because I think he's a great player, but you also can't count on him to be healthy for a whole season. Yeah, yeah. the Hunter thing is interesting because that was one of the things with him that they saw him do a lot in college where he's just trying to run in loops around people and he basically would run himself out of a play. And, and I talked to Andre Patterson for a story late in the season, and they think the world of Daniil Hunter. I mean, mm-hmm. Andre Patterson was a, a big champion of Daniil Hunter, I think, in the draft process because he saw what he could do with the guy, and that was a lot of what he talks about. And, and Tom Johnson, I could talk to him for that story as well. Uh, Tom Johnson's a, a very fascinating guy to talk to about pass rushing technique. He, he's, he's really a, bright. Yes, he is. He's got a lot of insight on that, That, and he's not shy about sharing it, which is, you know, some guys think, you're talking about state secrets, but when you just go to people and say, hey, I want to understand what's going on, I want to learn, Tom Johnson's one of those players that, that will let you in a little bit, which is why he's a fun guy to talk to. But one of the things he talked about with Andre Patterson, the defensive line coach, he said most coaches 
talk in loops and when they're teaching you to pass rush that you know do these loops around defensive or offensive tackles and he said Patterson does not teach that way he te- he talks a lot about putting your inside hand on a guy first which is counterintuitive to what a lot of guys talk about Brian Robinson said the same thing he said Patterson teaches a lot of stuff that we've been that kind of goes counter to what we've been taught all of our lives which mean a lot of offensive linemen have been taught to prepare opposite of it and one of the the stories Patterson told in the story and I know I'm getting a little inside baseball here but they they had a, a series in Jacksonville late in that game where Hunter hadn't done anything all day I think he'd, he'd gotten some some pressure but hadn't gotten home and and he was kind of trying to do the thing where he goes outside and uses his speed and, and Patterson basically goes to him you know that's enough of this go put go run right into the right tackle put your long arm on him and It'll that'll end it. Get to the quarterback. He did that on the next series. Got a sack. Pointed at the bench to Patterson, saying, "Hey, you know, I got you. I did what you what you asked, and it worked." Andre Patterson, I think, with Daniel Hunter, thinks that as good as he was this year, that there is another level mm-hmm. that he's going to go to. One of the things he talked about was once this guy gets to a point where he's recognizing schemes, especially as a run defender, that he's going to be so good that you're going to see the tackles for loss go way up. I think they feel like they have an absolute monster in Daniel Hunter. So the the number of things I think they feel they can do with him, I don't think they've scratched all of those options yet. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I asked John Fox about it on a conference call at the end of the year, and he yeah. brought up exactly what you mentioned with Hunter recognizing run schemes better now and yeah. that he could be an every-down player if he does that. I also think what's really interesting is he's a third-round pick, and he's one of the long shots. A lot of the long shots have failed from this team of, this guy's a freak athlete, but we don't know if he can really play sports. Uh, TJ Clemmings being one of them. Scott that, Crichton. That guy, TJ Clemmings is the most freakish athlete you're ever going to find, but he just really isn't very good at playing football. Uh, with Hunter, one of the differences with him is, Everybody talks about, you did the story, Ben, too, that everybody talks about how interested he is in learning and improving all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is just the most sort of soft-spoken, go-about-your-business guy and is always interested in learning and getting better. So I would even expect better from him. But that also suggests that if they need to make a change in how they use him, that he would be willing and able to do that. That, it, that there is not a... You wouldn't balk at it. Right, exactly. Because with a lot of players, sure. and Cordero Patterson oh, yeah. found this out this year, uh, when you do what they tell you, it works out better usually. <laughs> Uh, but in the past, Mike Zimmer said Cordero Patterson probably wouldn't have accepted being a gunner, you know, things like that. So that tells you a lot of players want to play their role that they've always played. I think Hunter would be willing to make some of those changes. Uh, we'll, we'll get to uh, I got two more questions I want to get to here. And we'll, we'll start with this one. Uh, I guess two people asked something similar. Uh, Willie asks, what are the chances we can get or make a big time trade for a top left tackle? This is a big need, in my opinion. And then our friend Andrew Andy Carlson uh, from uh, Purple for the Win asks, how big of a Manny's gift card would it take to get Whitworth and or Zeitler to stick around? Uh, a Manny's assuming, gift card? Assume, well, at, number one, they, they'll take him to dinner there, Andy. Yeah, they'll go there. One. Uh, although, apparently this year, I had, I had somebody tell me that... that uh, they're going to stop going there? They're going to they're gonna mix well it known. up because they get tired of being staked out. The reporters maybe this year? Maybe I mean they have, to, they have that back room at Manny's, but they love what they have at Manny's. I they 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 don't like the stakeouts. Fine, mix it up, keep us on our toes. Go give it a try. Left but tackle, I don't think they're going to do it. You don't have back at Manny's a first round pick, right? I'm convinced that you can't. So it's if, not going to be a trade. If, yeah, if you were going to if you were going to go trade for a good left tackle, you have to have a first round pick. Yep, you don't have one, therefore. Therefore, you are not going to get a starting caliber left tackle in a trade. I don't think there's any way, right? I mean, and, and Spielman and Spielman hates hates to give up picks, and he just gave up a, a first and fourth for Bradford. So I'm pretty convinced that uh, that the only picks he might give up are picks to get back into the first round this year. He's not going to give up more draft picks to get a left tackle. Okay, I've got two possibilities. These are guys who are on the older side who are free agents in 2018. So you'd basically be trading something for a one-year fix there. But there, there are a couple of guys that are possibilities who are going to make a lot of money next year. One of them is Ryan Clady from the Jets. He's 30 years old, and the Jets are, I think, probably going to tear it down and rebuild, right? I, I, 
I would assume. If you were talking I mean, about, hey, we'll give you a third round pick or something for your left tackle, they might be like, all right, we just need to stack picks. We just need to get rid of everything we can get rid of, get rid of a 30-year-old. The other one is Doug Free from Dallas, and the thing with him is... Uh, Doug Free got abused by Daniil Hunter. He did, he did. And and he was the weak link on one of the best offensive lines yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. But they have Lael Collins, who's probably going to take over that spot. Yeah. A guy who was supposed to be drafted in the first round, and then there was a weird legal thing with a girlfriend who like a murder was murdered yes. yes yes that was very weird. and everyone was really concerned about yep. being the team that drafted him and then having him be a murderer yeah. that looks bad yes so it turns yeah. out he's not a murderer and he's just a good tackle which is nice but he's going to be the starter Got that next going year for him. so right. are they going to pay doug free a bunch of money to be a backup for Lael collins probably not now they may want to just make sure it's like a little insurance that they have an extra player or they may say, you know what, we'll take your asset and give you a starting tackle. He's not amazing, but he's still at least like competent. De- decent. Competent, competent would be an right upgrade. Yeah. Competent would be an decent. upgrade. Anything would be an upgrade, Ben. Yes, <laughs> almost anything. I right. mean, we saw left tackle played at its absolute worst. Yeah, and Freeze yeah, a right tackle, by the way. Right. But we also saw right tackle be bad also. Yeah. Andrew Whitworth. Does that do anything for you guys? I mean, that name comes up a lot. Oh, sure does. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you got to pursue him, right? The, yeah. The, the problem with Zimmer Andrew Whitworth with is that he's old. Yep. Real old. He's thirty-five, and if he says, "All right, boys, this is my last contract. F- give me three oh, years." And he will. And it's going to be it's going to be nuts. But your choices are Whitworth, um, another downgrade of an of a left tackle on the open market, and Mackerel. Yeah. That's basically it, right? I, I think the third of those three is the that's guy it. that will be here. I think it'll be Matt Khalil. I mean, that's sort of depressing, but I agree with you. And and they're going to say, they're going to justify it by saying he's healthy now, and they're going to try and give him a three-year contract. All that's right, last guess. question. And, Collar, I want to give you a chance to answer your critics on this. All righty. Wow. Cody Baxter asks, why does Matthew at Matthew Collar think anyone forgot about the twelve men in the huddle penalty? And then he goes with the "We got too many men out there." No call. That I, I, where did that one come from? Was that on? Was that on the radio call? That we got too many men out there. I I, I hear that all the time. I, I don't was know. on the sideline. I don't recall yeah. now though. Yeah, it's but, all a mishmash from seven years. Collar, why don't you explain why you were making Vikings fans relive this <laughs> on the anniversary of the anniversary twelve men in the huddle? Right. Well. And and why why would you think that anybody forgot that part of it? Okay, two things. First of all, all right, the floor is yours. First of all, <laughs> Judd Zolget is to blame for me posting something about the two thousand. I give you a chance to answer your critics, and you go and blame the sports critics right away. Yes, I am doing. Uh, I what many one. famous athletes have done and deflect blame to Judd. Well, famous, he reminded famous me athletes, world leaders. That oh boy, uh, he reminded me that it was the anniversary, so I decided to, to go back and watch. Uh, the last part of that game using the NFL thing, whatever it's called, the watch NFL games. Yeah, game pass or yeah, whatever, whatever they're calling it these days, thing that works. So I went back and I'm watching it and I'm going through the box score and some of the stats and I thought, okay, I think my angle will be a lot of weird stuff happened in this game. Like just, hey, if we're going to remember it, I don't have an emotional connection to it that I can talk about for myself. But I can talk about, like, look at all these oddities that came from this game. There was not the overtime rules that we currently have. Favre, there was that the, basically triggered They were changed it, because of that game. Yes, exactly. There was the bounty gate, and he didn't get sacked the whole game. I mean, how funny is that, that that's a game that's remembered for him getting hit and beat up, that but he wasn't hit. sacked. Yes. Yeah, the uh, New Orleans was actually penalized more than the Vikings. Yep. There were three reviews in overtime, and then there was this weird... 12 men on the field penalty. So I thought, okay, the thing that sticks out most that never gets brought up is this 12 men on the field penalty. It gets brought up uh, all now, the time. On. Now, I'm not talking you about... the floor was his. I am not talking I, about I, from you or from the diehardiest... When he's, when he's like, out tattooed Viking fans. I have to correct the course. If you read the article, <laughs> it says the when it's shown, when the highlight is shown... I'm trying to be Katie Crowley about, here. Keep this under control. When it's ever talked about, it's always the interception. And lest we forget the 12 men in in the huddle penalty is is really the thing that is crazy that it even happened, especially out of a timeout. 
I am not accusing any Vikings fans of not being the truest of the true purple and gold and forgetting that play. Just reminding everybody on the anniversary what a strange and memorable classic NFL game it was. That's it. That's it. A lot of people were offended by this. Well, of course they are. I don't don't understand. Of course they are. That's burned. I mean, this fan base still hates the Dallas Cowboys for something that most of them weren't alive to see happen. 1975, there was a BS call on Nate Wright. He didn't push off. Um, it looks like they got tangled. Drew Pearson watched the other Drew last Pearson week. Now off. the replays aren't great. Drew Pearson, he pushed off. Uh, I don't know. I the, mean, ama- the, amazing, the amazing thing though, about, that. about that game, though, is still when you go back and look at the game book, and if you don't look at the final score, you say there is no way the Vikings lost this game until you look at one key stat, the turnovers. Yep. And it is um, – yeah, the 12, the 12 men, though, um, to this day – is still one of the most remarkable bleep ups, right? Oh it, yes. in yeah, in a big game ever. Yeah, and and in fact, Aaron Rodgers still very much ticked at Favre. The next training camp, I believe, was talking about that play, and Rodgers said to the press in Green Bay, "Well, for me personally, I stand back and, and count and count helmets first yeah. because the because if Favre hadn't stepped in, I think they're okay. I think right. the I think the grave the grave mistake was Favre." Stepped in the huddle and said, "Oh my God, there's 12 here." And so, see if you wanted to you get had into months this, that's later, the angle. You had that months later, Favre's Aaron Rodgers trolling Brett Favre from Green Bay by saying, "Ordinarily, I count the helmets." And that is a an interesting. It's like the uh, the Pruder film from the Sports Grinch on the uh, the 12 men in the huddle coming in looking from the other angle, saying, well, "I forgot some of the grassy knoll over here." It got tweeted. Last night, somebody went and found a strip blog that I did from the next season, I think. I forgot this. Childress came very close to not dressing Tahi at all and dressing Jeff Dugan. And at the last second, backed down and played Tahi. Didn't there Eric enemy have something to do with there this, was, too? Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of guilty parties. Uh, supposedly, though, the sideline was complete chaos. enemy got blamed for sending Tahi in. But I also heard that the uh, tight ends coach at the time, I think it was Jimmy Johnson, yeah. played a role as well. Yep. Basically, it was complete chaos. And everyone went on the field, and that was, that was it. So that's all. Just It was a I really, was a fine piece, but, really memorable way, game. I thought you did a good job. Very bizarre. Back off, guess Strange one. happenings <laughs> that get forgotten. Yeah. When, Nobody forgot the 12 men in the huddle. When you see, Nobody. When you see a highlight of that game, College and when it's talked about as one of the all-time classics, everyone will focus on Favre's interception. A man, I also think, too. A man that grew up in Buffalo is not acquainted with the acute nature of Fans suffering. Oh my gosh, are you serious? To, to, to think He's that more, nobody remembers the twelve men in the huddle. I think if we people we, can probably recall every detail of Super Bowl twenty five in Buffalo. We can are they comparing not? Comparing that. Well, I would say this. If I said Thurman Thomas turning back in bounds. Right. If I wrote, here's where the Bills really screwed up. That's my headline in Super Bowl twenty five. Here's where they screwed up. Then a lot of people might say. Oh, well, let's see what he's got to say. And then I would say, okay, where they screwed up was that they basically did the same thing the pack or the uh, the Vikings did at the 33-yard line where they said, okay, we're just going to run it up the middle a couple of times and then let him kick it. Well, the Bills did the same thing, only the game isn't tied. They just decided to hand off, get yeah. you know, get over to the right hash or whatever that uh, Scott Norwood wanted. Yep. But it, it made for a 47-yard field goal on grass. With which, a kicker that didn't have a very good leg. Yeah, exactly. And kickers were different. 47 yeah. now is, like, easy, but 47 then wasn't as easy. Yep. So so I think people would click that and go, oh, yes, oh, I remember that. Yeah, for sure. Like, no one would just be stunned by the fact that it happened, but might be refreshed on something that happened a long time ago, which is the same with this. We're talking seven years ago. It's a lot of Vikings fans that w- wouldn't have watched that game or wouldn't remember every detail. They're not. They're just mad because you wrote, wrote about it. Matthew Collar is upset. here to exploit your suffering for his own traffic, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. ladies and gentlemen. Go get get the screen. So go click go, on it. Go get the screen grab. In fact, I think that, that you did this. The screen grab of the Favre pick as he's as he turns back to throw to Rice. The Barian. And look at Bernard Barian, wide open. who is wide yeah, open. Didn't Favre like, freeze and him Brett, out of the offense, basically? Favre couldn't stand Bernard Barian. Nor could I, nor could the rest of the town. Bernard Barry. But anyway, he's wide open. Bernard, mm-hmm. all he had to do was throw the ball 
It would have been about a 10-yard gain, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, I've Bernard got the screen Bar- grab. Bernard Berrien could have literally stepped out of bounds. You come in, you kick the field goal, and then you go to the Super Bowl. Well, Favre could have run. He could have run for a yeah. first down, probably. The, the debate there is is always Could he be healthy? Yeah, he yeah. might have collapsed, basically, because his leg was just mismatched. But he could have thrown. He could have easily, if he, instead of going back across his body, which he loved to do, yeah. if he had looked to his right, he would have seen Berrien, he could have thrown the ball, and that's the game. Well, to, 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 also, to end this... A trip down Nightmare Lane for Vikings fans. We'll end a to- we'll toss him a bouquet. I believe the Favre interception when he was with the Packers, the last pass he threw in Green Bay. I think people have talked about an end zone cam of that as well, where Corey Webster I think picked the ball off, where Donald Driver was behind Webster and there was nobody behind Driver. So if Favre gets the ball up another six inches, the Packers are going to that Super Bowl. So Vikings fans, you are not alone in the suffering and harm that has been done to you in the playoffs by the old gunslinger. Solidarity. You're going to get through this. Just quick. <laughs> Things Mike, get brighter. Mike McCarthy at halftime of that, come up of that game said, if this was not Brett Favre, I'd, I'd bench, bench his him. Ass, right? I'd bench him right now. Well, and Aaron Rodgers was so bad was in cold weather. I, I don't think Rodgers could have played in that game. I think it would have been Craig Null. I, Rodgers I think, have played? I don't know. I think he was hurt to the point where he couldn't have gone out there. So Could I have played? Of course I could, could have played. Play? i just throw a pick. Well, we should stop talking about <laughs> all of these horrible memories for half of the NFC North. I'm sure there's some <laughs> Detroit Lions screw-up or I don't know if the Detroit Chicago Lions Bears have ever been gaff. good enough to have. Oh, there's just happened earlier in the That's season. Bobby Lane. We'll we'll get into the gaffes of the rest of the NFC North next week, or we'll talk about the Super Bowl or something else with the Vikings. But thanks for listening. Thanks for coming along on this uh, occasionally careening ride off the the rails or wherever the heck we went. We will uh, we'll try to do better next week.